good morning. How are we doing? Doing well? Yes, no? Are y'all awake? Do we need a coffee break? Will you stand with us and let's sing God So Love?
Thank y'all for that awesome song. Good morning. Oh, that's probably me. I'm sorry. I'll just talk loud. How are we doing? Oh, I made it angry today. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Kavanaugh Church. Today is the Lord's Day. We're in His house, and we're going to worship Him. That's our focus today. And if you're new, if you're joining us today as a guest, we're so glad you're here. We want to meet you right after service. If you'll go into our lobby after service, you'll see our information counter. Stop by there, or our Connect counter. We have a gift for you, and uh, we'd like to meet you and answer questions that you might have about the church. Do we have any baseball fans in the house? It's still baseball season. I love baseball, particularly when my kids play baseball. That, Justin, that's my favorite, to watch my kids play baseball. I tried. I never could play baseball. I wasn't any good at it, but my kids can do it, so that's, I love to watch them. Well, we were at a high school game this year. And, and it was intense. We had to win this game to qualify for the state tournament. And we were behind. And you know how baseball is contagious? And if, if, you're, if things start going down for one player, it trickles down. to It's a, it's a contagious sport. So we were kind of losing confidence. You could see the, the momentum was turning. But a senior on the team, he's, he's a leader, and he said, he looked at the boys and the boy that was at bat, and he said, this is what we live for. You know, it was like a, one of those motivational moments. And it clicked with the kid at bat. Man, he hit the ball. The next kid hit the ball. Man, we got a rally. We won the game. We came back. It was awesome. And this morning I was thinking about the welcome. And that out of the blue, that hit me. I was like, this is what we live for. Guys, right now, to be in God's house, to worship him, this is what we live for. You know, life is going to throw you curveballs. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be stress. But guys, put, our, put your eyes on Jesus and the rest, man. He's got it. We win. So today, we're here to celebrate the resurrection, all right, our risen Savior. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray and continue to worship the Lord then. God, we love you. Uh, there's no one like you. Thank you for letting us gather in your house. Thank you for each person that is able to be here. Lord, today, we want to lift you up, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will move in the service and you will speak into the hearts of each person, Lord, and change lives as only you can. Help each of us, Lord, to surrender to you in the way that you're speaking into our heart. Uh, God, today we want to lift you up. We praise you, Lord, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to keep singing in a moment, but right now would you welcome one another?
So we're going to sing uh, Spirit of the Living God. And in this song, um, it means a lot to me, and I love it. But there's a phrase in here that has just kind of been swimming over and over in my mind. And it says, come now and breathe upon our hearts. And in Genesis 1, 1, 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And it goes on, and we know the story. We've heard it. God breathed into Adam's nostrils the life. God is life. He it's continuous. He, he, he's continuously breathing. He's continuously moving. And just like in the beginning, when he was hovering over the darkness, maybe somebody here, and I don't know, but maybe somebody here is in the darkness, and they're in the chaos, and you, you, feel, the, you feel the void. Um, God can breathe into your heart and he can feel that void he is breath he's our life he is the I am so I feel like we can just ask him because he's here to come now and breathe up on our hearts and do what only he can do in your life when you accept and you breathe in the spirit of the living God. So y'all just sing with me and you, you claim this today. You soak in the breath, the spirit of the living God.
creation and I know God that you're breathing life still today you are still working miracles through your spirit and through the breath of your life and I pray God that today as brother will brings us this message if there's somebody here that needs their heart breathed upon to get out of the darkness to calm the chaos to put their world back into order and to breathe new life into it. I pray God that today that they would come to you and that they would fall on their knees and that they would be brought to tears, God, so that they could accept the breath and the life that only you can give. And I'm so thankful, God, for the life that you've breathed into me and into this church. And I pray God that it would continue throughout the remainder of this service and throughout the rest of the rooms that are in this house. And I'm so thankful, God, for Jesus, for dying on the cross for me and for my sin. And it's these things, God, that we pray and that we ask in your precious name, Jesus. Everybody good today? Fantastic. This morning I want to preach to you about knowing what's really important in life. And you know what? Sometimes I think we forget what's important and uh, instead of concentrating on the main thing, we concentrate on things that are secondary and uh, God doesn't want us to do that. So in our study of Proverbs, we're going to look today at what's really important in life. And my prayer is the Holy Spirit speaks it into your heart. A few years ago, in fact, it's probably been eight or nine years ago, I did a funeral at the uh, National Cemetery. Uh, I didn't know the person who died. They had a family member who was a part of this church, and they asked me to, to preach the service. And so I was at the National Cemetery. Maybe you've been there. You know the open pavilion they have. Family gets to sit right there, and everybody else is standing around. And the services have to be very short. Okay, because they keep doing these all through the day. Maybe you got 20 minutes to do it. And so I read the obituary, and somebody in the family had an iPhone with a speaker, and they played a song right before I gave the message. When, when the song started, I, I, I recognized the beat, and I knew it was a country song uh, by Tim McGraw, and I thought, really? They're, they're going to play this song at this funeral? Now, I'd listened to the song on the radio before, but I'd never really listened to the words. But that day, I listened to the words. And by the time the song was over with, there was a tear in my eye. <laughs> and I realized, you know what? This really is a good song for 
a funeral. The, the title of the song is Live Like You Were Dying. Maybe, maybe you know that song. It, it, it's a conversation between two guys. Uh, this one guy's in his 40s, and he goes to the doctor, and he gets a really bad report. And so for the next couple of days, he's, he's looking at the x-rays, and he's thinking about his life and thinking about time, and he realizes he doesn't have long to live. Okay? His life is, is almost over as a young man. And he's telling this to his friend, and his friend asks him, man, what'd you do? Knowing that you're about to die, he said, man, what'd you do? And the guy said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you are dying. Wow. That kind of brings it home to us, doesn't it? What, what if you knew you were going to die today? What if you knew you had a week or a month or even a year to live? What would you be doing different? I tell you what, that's not a bad thought to think, how would I live if I knew I were dying? I think it's very easy for us to become so caught up in the pressures of life that we really forget what is important in life. Sometimes it takes the scares of life or the scars of life or the storms of life to remind us of life's true priorities. When we encounter difficulty, it often strips away all the externals and enables us to see again the real values in life. But it is also true that when we study the Bible and when we pour over the Word of God, the same thing happens. That's particularly true when you come to the book of Proverbs, because it is such a practical nuts and bolts and back to the basics type of book. And of course, when we read through it from that perspective, we come to the conclusion that what is really important in life, and listen to me, what's really important in life is your home and it's your family. Our dads, our moms, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, and particularly our own husbands and wives and children and grandchildren. Many of the verses found in the book of Proverbs relate to this theme of home and family. And as I read through the Proverbs from that perspective, I found certain thoughts that were repeated over and over and over again. Four of them I want to share with you this morning of what's really important in life. And let me start with Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. It says, a house is built by wisdom, and it is established by understanding. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with every precious and beautiful treasure. Uh, sometimes I think those precious and beautiful treasures are our kids and our grandkids. If you want to have a home like this, if you want to have a family that's hitting home runs every week and every day, you need a home that is built on wisdom, understanding, and the knowledge of God. What's really important in life? Well, it's the people you live with. It's your family. 
It's your home. So here are four thoughts from the book of Proverbs. Number one, it is important for you to be a person of example. Specifically right now, I'm talking to you moms and dads and you grandparents. It is of vital importance that you be a person of example. The word example means that we should live so that those who are watching us, specifically our kids and grandkids, will want to follow Jesus Christ because they see Jesus in us. We are people of example. Look at Proverbs 14, 26. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. And for his children, it's going to be a refuge. They, they know that their family, their home, their parents are a safe place, a place of refuge. Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. Why? Because dad is doing the right thing. Because mom is a good example to her kids. The children follow that example, and they turn out to be good people as well. You know what? When we fear the Lord and we live a life devoted to Him, it sets a different theme and tone in the home. When the father and the mother put Jesus Christ first, it adds a dimension to the family life that our kids need. In a world that is chaotic, they need that Christian calmness at home. I don't know if you remember back to Father's Day, but I said something like this, and I want to repeat it because of its importance. That kind of family, a family that puts Jesus first, a family where mom and dad both realize that they are living examples to their offspring, their kids and their grandkids, that kind of a family praise before they eat meals because they recognize everything they have, even the food they're eating, comes from God. And they're teaching their children that even before a meal. That kind of family has bedtime prayers because they recognize the need of God's protection not only in the day but also at night. That kind of family goes to church on Sundays because they understand God expects our very best. And so on the first day of the week, we want to start the week out right by being right here in God's house. God wants us to adore Him and worship Him and prioritize Him as number one in our lives. And so mom and dad give that example to their kids. Kids, no matter what, we're going to church on Sunday mornings. That kind of family is cautious about the movies and the television programs that they watch in their living room because they understand Jesus Christ lives in this house. That kind of family trusts in the Lord during lean times because they know that their God is the one who has promised to provide. Fathers and mothers who set that kind of an example cast a long shadow for their kids. Many of y'all know the name John Glenn. If you don't, let me introduce him to you today. He was a former astronaut and United States senator. Before he became an astronaut, Glenn had a dramatic career as a fighter pilot during World War II and also the Korean War. When he entered the space program, he became one of America's original seven Mercury astronauts, and he was the first man to orbit the Earth. In his memoir, Glenn 
tells how he became interested in flying. It happened when he was eight years old. Him and his dad were driving their old pickup truck down a country road, and right beside the road was this, this pilot with an old biplane sitting there. And he was giving rides to people who would pay him a certain fee. And, and Mr. Glenn was fascinated with this. In fact, he was mesmerized by this new fandangled thing called the airplane. And he talked to his son, John, about just a couple of years before how Charles Lindbergh in the spirit of St. Louis flew across the Atlantic. And, and the dad was so excited. And he said something like this to his son, son, I'm going to take a ride in that airplane. And if you want to go with me, come on. And so little John, eight years old, jumped out of the truck and they paid the fee and they got into the airplane and that one experience changed the course of John Glenn's life. Like it or not, we leave a legacy for our kids. We pass on to our kids and our grandkids our loves, our values, our sense of honor, our ethics. We plant within them the seeds of their future. So listen to me, moms and dads. It is imperative that you be a good example. This past week, I ran into a young man that I hadn't seen in years. Uh, he just graduated high school and was going off to college. And, and he and I got to sit down and talk and, and eat together. And in the course of the conversation, he said something really interesting, talking about what he was going to do with his life and where he was going and, and all of his plans. He said to me, you know, he, he said, it's like every kid wants to be just like their dad when they're growing up. And he had a great dad, and I think there was a sense that he wanted to follow in the steps of, of his dad. But I got to thinking about that. Yeah, that is true, but sometimes it's not true. And that's a sad thing when it's not true. I, I, don't, I don't know of what value I've had here on planet Earth, but I pray to God. I pray to God that I have lived my life in such a way that my kids have seen Jesus in my life. And that I have been a good enough example for them that when the going gets tough in their life, they know where to turn. Parents, be an example to your kids. They've got enough bad examples out there in the world. Visually, every day they see and they hear degrading things, bad examples. You be to them a light in this dark world. You be what Jesus said, salt in a corrupt society. Be a godly example. It is important that you be a good example. Number two, <laughs> it's important to be a congenial spouse. Oh, my goodness. Hang with me. Proverbs 19, 14, houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You know, it's important that we get along in the home. not going to go on until somebody says. <laughs> Instead of having World War III in our house, we need to have harmony in our home. <laughs> we have harmony in our home, don't we, Angie? It's good when your last name is Harmon. Just add a, a Y to it and we're good, man. How many homes, though, have become dysfunctional because mom and dad can't get along with each other. Right. 
I'm about to read three verses, and guys, I want you to be real careful with what you say when I read these three verses. Guys, be careful. Proverbs 21, verse 9. Better to live on a corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Be, be careful. 2118, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. 2524, better to live on a corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Anybody out there brave enough to say amen? You're too afraid to, aren't you? You know, I understand that many of these verses are written in the male gender, but you know what? It can be flipped around really easy. I mean, it, it, it could have said, it is better to live in an unair conditioned she shed than to share a living room with a grumpy, ill-tempered old bear of a husband. Ladies, you've disappointed me. Amen? I, it goes both ways. So here's Proverbs 31, verse 10, that chapter of the, of the great model mother and wife. It says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks for nothing. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. I mean, that's the kind of home we need to have, a congenial home. Now, I understand we all have days when we're out of sorts, and, and it's true that we have to work on our attitudes all the time, but it is hard to live with an ill-tempered, temperamental, hot-headed, sulking, nagging, unpleasant person. All of you can say, amen. It's hard to be in a home where you're always having to walk on eggshells so as not to upset that old bear or that goat that you're having to live with. And it's bad for your kids. So I can remember reading years ago a, a comic strip that has pretty good theology to it, Peanuts. You know, you know. And so I've, I got Devin to dissect this for me. Y'all give Devin a hand. Man, he does a great job with, with all of our visual things. So I sent him this cartoon and he cut it up for me so we could look at it. Here's, you, you know who this is. What's her name? Lucy. Lucy, number one crab. Let's go to that next frame of old Lucy. Look at that scowl on her face. You know, did you wake up crabby? No, I let her sleep in. It takes you a little bit to get that, but there she is, Miss Crabby, slammed the door. Boy, do I feel crabby. Mm. Okay. And y'all know him. Linus. Little brother Linus, what a great guy. Maybe I can be a help. Don't y'all love a helper? Yeah. Why don't you just take my place here in front of the TV while I go 
and fix you a nice snack. Sometimes we all need a little pampering to help us feel better. Thank God for Linus, huh? See, I came right back. Here's a nice sandwich for you, some chocolate chip cookies and a cold glass of milk. Now, is there anything else I can get you? Is there anything I haven't thought of? Yes, one thing that you haven't thought of. I don't want to feel better. (laughs) You know what? Now you can say amen. Okay, let's turn it on a dime. Let me tell you, if you feel that way and you act that way in your home, let me tell you something, friend. You need to repent. And I went from being funny to being serious just like that. You need to repent of those attitudes and recognize that as the sins that they are. And you need to ask God to send a revival of love and joy and peace and patience in your heart. Christians should not be hard people to live with. So let's turn our homes from being a place of World War III to a harmonious home with congenial people living inside of it who love Jesus and who love each other. You know what? Listen to me. You may not have those people with you much longer. You need to be living like you were dying. Number three, it is important for you to be a teaching parent and grandparent. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and they will be chains around your neck. And what is it that that teaching mom and dad should say to their kids? Well, the passage goes on to tell us that we should warn our children of the dangers of peer pressure and also wrong friends. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent And then I want you to notice, too, how Proverbs 4 begins. Hear, my children, the instructions of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Listen to me, parents. That's what we need to be teaching our kids, good doctrine, the things of the Bible. We need to teach them the truths of Scripture every day that they are alive, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. So let me do a timeout. Let me ask you, have you ever said anything like that to your kid? Have you ever set your kids down and just taught them from the word of God? Proverbs 22, verse 6 reaffirms, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Understand that is a spiritual truth. We need to be teaching our kids every day so that when they do get old, even if they go astray, that seed has been planted in their heart and in their mind. We taught them the truth. God's Holy Spirit can go back and draw that truth back out of their minds and reteach it to them when they are on the wrong path. Hmm. Lolo did a great job teaching our 
three kids. I, I was, can I, can, I'm just going to admit to you, I was way too busy when my kids were young. And, and I've apologized to Angie a hundred times. I got way too busy here at this church. I got way too busy doing ministry when I needed to be spending time at home with my kids and helping my wife raise my kids. I wished I could go back and change some of those things, but I can't. I can't. But Angie said something really cool the other day. She said, you know, every time I'm with my grandbabies, that's Ella Jane, Archer, and now little baby Jewel, she says, every time I'm with them, I'm going to teach them something about Jesus. Every time I'm in their presence, I'm going to tell them something about the Word of God, the Bible, a truth about the Lord. Every time I'm with them, I'm going to pray, Lord, help me to tell them, teach them something about the life of Christianity and Jesus Christ. And I said, way to go, Lolo. And you remind me to do the same thing. Our kids need that. Look at me. If we don't teach them about Jesus, who's going to? They're not going to get it in this world. And they get it here at this church, but that's only one or two times a week. They need to be getting it from you every single day. And you know what else? One of the things you need to teach them from the Word of God that is taught in the book of Proverbs is self-discipline, to be self-disciplined. It talks over and over in the book of Proverbs about self-control. And it tells us that it is the responsibility of a parent to instill those values into our children. Until they can learn to be self-disciplined on their own, they need the guardrails of discipline from us. They need us to set those boundaries for them. Some verses you don't like to hear, but I want to read them anyway. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves his son is careful to what? Discipline him. 28, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he's not going to die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. And then chapter 9, or 29, 15, and 17. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. So I'm going to say it again. Your kids need discipline. They need boundaries set for them. It's biblical. And when you do that, you're bringing honor to God. You're not being mean. You're teaching them valuable lessons. I don't know if you've heard this name, John Maxwell. Anybody know the name John Maxwell. He was a great pastor, pastored a big church, Skyline Church in, in California, wrote numerous books. Uh, he kind of got out of the pastor of ministry and became a pastor to pastor, has held numerous conferences, uh, started uh, some businesses that helped churches in fundraising. Uh, in fact, we have used his company to raise funds in our church. I've been to dozens of John Maxwell conferences and seminars. I've read all of his books. One book he wrote 
is Today Matters. And in that book, he said, I have to give my parents a whole lot of credit for training me to be self-disciplined. One of the ways they did that was by giving me and my siblings chores that we didn't get paid for. Every Saturday afternoon, Mr. Maxwell had a list for all of his kids of chores they had to do during that next week. Some of them were specific time-oriented, such as if, you, if your job was to take out the trash, it had to be done the night before the garbage man came. Other chores just had to be done sometime during the week, but all the chores had to be done by noon on Saturday. And so one Saturday, the family was going to go swimming, and everybody went out to the station wagon. John was there, and he had his towel with him. And his dad looked at him and said, John, where are you going? He said, well, Dad, I'm going swimming. His dad said, no, you're not, son. Your job was to clean the basement out, and I was just down there. John him hawed around about it and gave excuses why he didn't get it clean. He says, but, Dad, I promise as soon as we get back from swimming, I'll clean the basement. And his dad looked at him and said, son, I'm sorry, but no, you're not going swimming. We made a deal. You promised to clean out the basement as one of your chores. Instead, you decided to play. So while we're out swimming, you're going to be cleaning the basement. Well, John didn't like it much, but you know what? He said that single incident taught him never, never to procrastinate again. And he said it made him a self-disciplined person. And I've been around John Maxwell. He is very self-disciplined. Your kids are hungry for guidance. God made them that way. Your kids have to have boundaries. And you are the one elected by God to give them those boundaries. It is important. No, let me say this. It is imperative that we be teaching parents and grandparents. That we flesh out this book in front of the lives of our kids. Number four, this is the last one. It is important for you to enjoy your family. Amen. Chapter 17, verse 6. Children's children are a crown to the age, and parents are the pride of their children. <laughs> you know, I could spend a whole lot of time talking about grandkids, but you'd get sick of me talking about my three. Aren't they great, though? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, it just doesn't work out that you can start with the grandkids, but boy, that'd be something. <laughs> Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. You know what? I found a good thing right up there from Cornyn, Arkansas. It's the book of Proverbs that tells us to rejoice with the husband or the wife of our youth. In other words, with that man or that woman we married when we were young. Never lose the love. Never lose the passion. Enjoy one another. Enjoy your family. That's why it's important that you be an exemplary parent, a congenial spouse, a teaching dad or a mom. And that's why you enjoy your family. 
Because you know what? You don't know if you're going to be around tomorrow. You need to enjoy them today. You, you need to live today like you were dying. I don't suggest you go skydiving <laughs> or even Rocky Mountain climbing, and I certainly don't suggest you get on any bull, especially one named Fu Manchu. But I do suggest you love deeply and you speak sweetly and you give forgiveness where you've been holding it back and you live every day like you were dying. But let me back up. The most important thing for you is what you do with Jesus Christ. Now, it's important that we be an example. It is important that we get along in the home. It is important that we teach our kids right. It is important that we enjoy the presence of our family. But the most important thing is what have you done with Jesus? Because your eternity depends on that. So, let's say you don't make it till tonight. God forbid, but you know what? You may not. Are you ready? What have you done with Jesus? In order for you to get into heaven, you've got to accept Jesus as Savior of your life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to get to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So if you've not done that, friend, I, I beg you to come, come down to the altar this morning and allow us to share with you God's very simple plan of salvation. You don't need to walk out these doors today not knowing where you're going to spend eternity. And if you are a Christian, man, I don't, I don't know what's going to keep you from the altar this morning asking God to help you be that example, to have that kind of a home where harmony exists, and to help you teach your kids and grandkids about Jesus. Would you bow your heads right now? Let God, let God speak to your heart. After I pray, we're going to have this song of invitation and I'm going to open up these altars for you to come and talk to God. Maybe you need to come right now even as I pray and before we sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the great book of Proverbs and what it teaches us about what's important. And I pray, dear Lord, that, that we would do that in our minds and hearts right now, that we would prioritize our own life Lord, if there's anyone in this room who's never accepted Jesus as their Savior or if they are away from you in their relationship with you, I pray that they would come this morning and get things right with you. Lord, for the rest of us, may, may we as parents and grandparents come together today with our family and pray over our home. 
Lord, we want a home where, where precious treasures live and exist. So, Lord, help us there to be understanding and wisdom and knowledge in that home from the Word of God. Help us to be godly examples. Help us to like each other and get along with one another. And help us, dear Lord, to teach the ways of God in our home. Help us to do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? As they sing, why don't you come and pray? Altars are open. Come on. Join me this morning and pray with me. pray that you would change us from the inside out. Help us to be people of God who love you and realize what's important in life. Dear Lord, I pray for every family that is in this room. Help, help moms and dads to be great examples for their kids and their grandkids. I pray that husbands and wives would get along with each other. I pray that families would live in harmony and that kids would respect their parents and parents love their kids. I pray, dear Lord, that we would take every opportunity you give us to teach our kids and our grandkids and the children of this church the ways of God. And dear Lord, help us to enjoy one another, not only in our homes and in our family units, help us to enjoy each other in this family of faith. I thank you for our church family. And I pray a blessing on everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thanks for being here today. Uh, just a couple of reminders. It, as you walk out, if you're a Kavanaugh member, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Certainly appreciate your support to the church. Come back Wednesday night. We've got uh, activities and services for all age groups. Saturday is the maybe the final for this year. 
Puerto, Puerto Rico yard sale. Uh, you gave so many things the last time we did this that there were a few things left over and more things have been given. So this Saturday, they're going to do yard sale number two. Matt could use some help Friday evening after six o'clock to set things up in our gym and then to help again on Saturday morning. Uh, come buy some stuff as well. Uh, one man's junk is another man's treasure. That's, that's how it works, all right? Bass Club is meeting tomorrow night at 6 p.m., planning their next big bass tournament. And I understand the ladies are getting together to do their bunco thing on Thursday night at 6 o'clock. And uh, I know they're going to have a fantastic time. I love you and uh, pray that you have a good rest of the week. Uh, go skydiving. Yeah. You know, climb Cavanaugh Hill, you know. Just stay off the bulls, all right? Get out of here.